So welcome to our first edition of It's a Blast. And today I have Jay Nichols and Nichol, um, from Nichols Communications, and they are specialists in PR and AR in the B2B market. So, so Jay, tell me a little bit about yourself and your company and your typical clients. Sure. I think you already introduced me. My name is Jay Nichols, and uh, I work for Nichols Communications. We are you know, essentially you know, focused on you know, business-to-business technology companies, generally those with very complex value propositions. And we do kind of soup to nuts, public relations, media relations, analyst relations, content development, et cetera, you know, kind of covering the gamut of marketing communications, um, you know, for those types of organizations. I've been doing this for a long time now, probably too long to note, but certainly a couple of decades and working with everyone from, you know, you know, seed funded startups uh, to, you know, large organizations like Intel and others. Great. And so, you know, what's the goal of the PR agency in a first place? So, you know, uh, or PR and AR, actually. Well, speaking strictly from the perspective of a startup, I think if you look at the kind of prototypical, you know, customer journey and the kind of product journey, it's really about creating awareness, that top of the funnel awareness that, you know, you fundamentally exist and have something to offer to a specific market segment. Um, and I think it's really, particularly for seed funded startups and series A funded startups in crowded marketplaces, that's incredibly difficult to achieve without a PR agency, at least cost effectively. It's really about getting you invited to the dance, right? So, you know, when that you know, uh, call for your proposals, that CFP goes out, right, you know, that you are going to be included on that list that's applying a specific type of solution to a market segment. Fantastic. And so, you know, at what stage should a sort of agency, you talked a little bit there about seed, uh, A, B, is that sort of typically where you get involved? Um, it's interesting, you know, because I engage with people at all levels, right, from like public companies to kind of seed funded startups and people go through that for their career. In terms of taking your first steps into the world of using a PR resource, um, I think probably the best you know time to start is two to three quarters before you are actually selling something, right? Before you have something that you've gone to market with, because those two to three quarters are going to enable you to put nice polish on your messaging and ensure that you're able to get kind of develop and understand who your influencers are, who are the key opinion leaders that you need to target, you know, what are the kind of media outlets and analysts firms that are going to be relevant to what you're doing, you know, and, and exactly what do you want to see? What do you want to get out of your communications program? All of that takes a significant amount of time. Um, and that also time is probably going to be included, you know, revising your website, putting together marketing collateral, all that kind of stuff. And that's where kind of PR informs a lot of this. It's it's PR is certainly a tool of marketing, um, but good PR firms and good PR resources, what they primarily do for the startup is help them solidify and bulletproof, if you will, you know, the messaging, like literally what the outside world looks at and understands about your organization, about the market in which you're playing, and about the product or technology solution that you offer. And, you know, the analogy I often draw for a lot of startups when you look at this is, you know, there's all different kinds of ways to get attention for your firm, right? And if you use the analogy of, say, a restaurant, right, I kind of make the analogy that your messaging is kind of like your food, and if you know you could have an amazing sommelier, you could have an amazing, amazing location, you know, a beautiful ambiance to your organization. But if your food is terrible, no one is going to come back to you, 
right? So getting that food right and getting your messaging right, you know, if you've got solid, great messaging that differentiates you as an organization, you know, you're good 80, 85% done in terms of building your comms program. Everything else is just execution of the tactical vehicle for that messaging. Yeah, that's excellent and, and very true, you know, and the key part starting point for a lot of small startups. So, you know, how does that, how do they sort of start and engage with you and, and what can they expect results wise? Well, it all depends in terms of how many resources you have and what route you want to go. There's a lot of different types of PR resources. In my case, I'm kind of a single person, right? Who's much more senior, has a great deal of experience and is able to work, you know, kind of, you know, um, hand in hand, you know, with more senior people, you know, and kind of like a smaller startup where you're kind of directly going there. Other people may require an agency that has a team, either a large one or a small one, for example. It often depends in terms of what type of market segment you're going after. Um, you know, I would say, you know, particularly for consumer technology clients, they have a tendency to require, you know, large, larger numbers of more junior people who have to kind of execute tactical stuff. You know, as opposed to kind of a B2B you know, type of situation where it's a little bit easier to kind of you know, work with a single individual who kind of knows that domain inside and out. Um, but generally, the engagement can take usually one of three different uh, ways. There's usually, you know, either a project basis, which is usually a good way to engage with a PR resource and get a sense of whether or not the chemistry is there, because chemistry is very important, how you're going to be able to kind of work with each other. Or, you know, and that's kind of like a finite term after which you kind of decide, well, maybe you part ways or you go forward. Another way, and one that's very much more common, is usually a retainer of some sort on a monthly basis. You know, and that can be, all right, so, you know, depending on how they're kind of billing you, sometimes they bill by the hour. Other people like myself just bill on a monthly basis, so we just agree on what success looks like there. But generally, getting that monthly retainer, which is a certain amount, you bill every month, usually with some type of wind-down clause at the end of it. You know, others, and especially larger organizations, tend to prefer large annual contracts or contracts that, you know, expand more than a single month, in which case you would sign on for someone for, like, say, the year. Uh, there may be some exit clause there, for example. But I think for the most part, you know, particularly for startups, the types of resources you're going to engage, a lot of them are going to be very willing to, you know, go on a month-to-month -month type of basis, usually with some type of wind down from anywhere from 90 days to 60 days to 30 days. Sure. And um, I'm sure you've heard this a lot. I know I've heard it in my career. Why can't I just post the press release myself? Well, because that's literally useless. I mean, you're not going to get anything there. Press releases are kind of a conundrum these days, right? They're more they're more play the role of a statement of record. Uh, you know, it's interesting that putting a release out of the wire in and of itself does nothing and has done nothing you know, for years. It's all about the engagement that you use. Who are you targeting? Who are you going, you know, you need to reach out proactively to the media and the press, you know, to sell them on this and do some type of, you know, interview or briefing to tell them about the news itself before they're going to write anything. At the same time, I've met many journalists who, you know, unless they see a final press release, they're not going to take an interview either because that's kind of proof to them that this event is occurring and this is what's going on, right? So again, it's interesting. These are necessary elements in terms of putting release out of the wire, but without having the ability to engage those influencers directly, you're really not going to get anything done. Certainly not from an awareness level. Yeah. So um, what should I look for in a PR agency? Let's see. You know, chemistry and personality fit is incredibly important. The fact that you can kind of get along, you know, would be is ideal. 
um, helping to understand what your working relationship is going to be like. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, your PR expertise needs to be able to, you know, give you unvarnished truths. And I think you need to be able to, you know, as a vendor, understand that and take that, right? If you don't respect the expertise of the person you've engaged with, then, you know, why are you bothering to engage in the first place? I think the second thing is clear domain expertise, right? I, if someone understands the ins and outs of the AI industry, right? Or the industry for wireless or the industry for, you know, silicon, take your pick. You know, those people who are going to understand you know, those the ins and outs there, who the influencers are, whether or not they have relationships with them. I think it's really going to be helpful in terms of getting that done. And then finally, just, you know, getting these people to show you what they've done in the past. You know, any competent PR agency or resource should be able to point to here. I've been there, done that. Take a look. Um, you know, everyone's got references. Those are not really as relevant, I think, as actually being able to show, you know, past records of success. So I think um, one of the things we probably both agree on is since, you know, we've been in the industry a while, <laughs> is how much PR has changed. So what do you see as really the future for sort of the PR market as for you? Good question. I think, I, you know, I saw, I, we talked about this a little bit before we want to do the interview in terms of where we're going to, you know, that kind of thing. And I've been thinking about that. I think there's three primary points I'd like to see come up. My prediction um, I think that in a world of misinformation, eventually truth is going to reign supreme. And as a result, I think the current pay-to-play type environment in which we're operating now, you know, for those of you who are unaware, you know, there's many people out there with their handout for people saying, oh, I'll write up your press release for, you know, a dollar, you know, here, give me, you know, this nickel, or I will allow you to take videos and, you know, kind of make them look spiffy. And that stuff is great. It has its role particularly from a content development standpoint, but that's what I see it as. It's not earned media in the sense of what it was. And I think we're going to eventually see, you know, people kind of swing back to unbiased, you know, media that challenges vendors, you know, to basically prove, you know, their worth or kind of show their differentiation. And it's going to be much tougher for them, but also the results that you get are going to be much more credible. Uh, you saw uh, Andreessen, you know, Horowitz's, you know, A16's kind of like, you know, attempt to control, you know, kind of technology media and kind of create their future magazine, which bombed. And the reason it is, is because no one going to believe a word that was written in it. And, you know, I think that, you know, as we see that more unbiased truth come out, you know, I think those types of venues are going to, again, rise to the top. Um, the second thing I think you're start, going to start to see, and again, this is probably me, you know, speaking only for myself, but, you know, again, when I we speak of PR resources, oftentimes people think of PR agencies, mm -hmm. and agencies are you know, can be global institutions, and they can be two guys and a dog. In my case, it's me, and you know, just me. And what I've seen, and now that I've you know interacted with many more colleagues like myself, I, I'm seeing that the kind of lone freelance, but highly you know experienced and highly successful resource. Um, has a great deal to offer, particularly to the startup realm. And I think you're going to see more and more people more comfortable with that, similar to an organization such as your own, Tech to Marketing, right? You know, yeah. it's a couple of people who know each other well, but are well-connected in the industry and have a great deal of expertise. And I think that, you know, format is going to become increasingly important. You know, it's probably not sh shock that I'm saying that in this particular you know, venue, but that's the case. 
Yeah. Uh, and the third and final thing, I think, from you know uh, uh, a perspective, and I don't know whether this is a boon or a threat, and I've heard it both from other folks. But you know, if unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know, Chat GPT that has kind of proven out here. Some people are saying, "Oh, that's great! I don't need a PR resource. I'll just yell at G Chat GPT, and out will come all my content." You know, and then I've also heard from PR people who are saying, oh, great. It's like having an intern who doesn't know anything and you just spout stuff to them. And, you know, OK, not very good, but like kind of OK, kind of accurate junk comes out that you can use in order to do that. I'm like, if if I needed that, I would like, you know, hire you know intern to do that. I don't necessarily see that's the case, but I think there are going to be many, many attempts you know, and maybe over time, because, you know, as we all know, AI improves over time, with the more data put into it, that it will come, become increasingly better. But I would say, you know, currently there's going to, we're going to see lots of people attempt to weaponize that, use it uh, as a means to cut costs when it comes to content. And I think some of those results are going to be disastrous. That's my prediction. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We will see. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the AI space is one to watch. I don't think it's one to be quite terrified of quite yet. So, right. but I think it has its uses. But yeah, as I said, I think you're very right on there with the comment around that prediction. Is there anything else you would predict for sort of just finishing off on a final question for 2022, 23 even for tech startups this year? Well, um, I'm hoping to see. I think there's still money out there for these people to get. You know, from my perspective, everyone who has been telling me that it's really going to be these first couple of quarters that are, are really going to be tough, and then things are going to slowly improve there. I mean, it's interesting that everyone is, you know, or not everyone, many media are characterizing this as some type of, you know, disastrous shortfall. But I, I frankly, given the valuations that we were seeing for some startups through 2021, uh, correction is a far more accurate term. And one that I think is really needed, right? I mean, we've both been through, you know, kind of booms and busts in this business. And this is hardly a bust. People are still doing really well. There are still robust, you know, even if it goes down a couple of percentage points, there's still very much robust demand uh, for B2B technology. And there will continue to be, particularly as people start to do, you know, are forced to do more with less. But that is, and that theme, that last phrase, more with less, is most definitely going to be the theme for 2023 from that perspective. So, you know, that's your value prop, make it link in there. And that's how you're going to want to pitch your company, I think, uh, particularly the B2B space, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Jay, for being the first guest on It's a Blast. Um, we've loved having you here. And thanks for all your insights for this year. It's been my pleasure. Thanks anytime.